Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. It's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Be The Man. And of course, you know the rest of that. It's the world-famous saying from the one and only Nature Boy, Mr. Ric Flair. How are you, man? Good, Conrad. Glad I'm to be sorry. home, man. <laughs> this has been a long We're time coming, man. Back together again. Here we are, and uh, I'm excited, man. The Ric Flair Show is back on the road here, and uh, we've got a special topic today, and we've got just a lot of fun planned here on to be the man just to catch everybody up this is the uh the final iteration of the rick flair podcast and man this is back where it all started way back in 2015 can you believe it now we're back again <laughs> wow we've come a long way both of us <laughs> no doubt so excited you're, to be here you're, you're the podcast king i've almost died twice what the hell <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that's not going to happen anytime soon because we've got some big plans this year. We don't want to spill all the beans today, uh, but just to kind of recap, what we're going to be doing, boys and girls, is uh, taking you down a stroll down memory lane every single week here, talking about the good old days of professional wrestling with the Nature Boy. We're going to do a couple of watch-alongs a month. We'll probably have a guest a month, and then we're going to do some Q&As every month. Uh, we want to make this the, the best possible podcast we can, and Man, I'm excited. We got a new look. We got a new feel. This is going to be a fun time, Rick. Thanks for jumping on. No, I'm very excited. Are you kidding? Don't forget the fact that I'm the king of cannabis now. You oh, think, my gosh. You, you ever think it's you today, Rick Flair, be smoking a joint? <laughs> no, I still don't believe that, by the way. <laughs> <But> Watch. <laughs> I'm going to smoke one with Mike next week. <laughs> I, I, uh, I can't believe it. But I, I do want to talk about that because, boy, it was all over the news. Yeah. You got to see Mike Tyson deliver some live rounds on a flight last week, uh, a JetBlue flight. And then yeah. that night, he's with you in some big nightclub living it up with Rick Ross. What in the world? Yeah, well, he'd been an appearance. Every time they – the way this thing is working, and now that I'm his partner, um, whenever another store or a state, and they're coming in left and right, picks up the, the product line, he'll make a personal appearance. That's what I'll be doing starting in probably two weeks when my line drops, Ric Flair Drip. So Ric Flair Drip is going to be your new cannabis line. It's with Mike Tyson's outfit. And, and from what yeah. I understand, he's really taken over, I think, first in Las Vegas, now expanding out there. It, it's unbelievable. He, he, he's killing it. He's Man, killing it. And, awesome. and Chad and uh, Adam and uh, Aristotle, the guys that, that – uh, put all this together are just great guys and they're like you they're young aggressive successful and uh you know making a lot of money just like yourself what i'm most excited about though rick is not just the wrestling component because certainly this is going to serve the wrestling fan base who has learned to enjoy this as an alternative way to medicate if you will but boy in the hip-hop circles a mike tyson product named rick flair drip marijuana that just feels like uh that's supposed to be right there. Woo shoes. Say that Mike Bites, it's woo shoes. I love it. Woo shoes. That's tremendous, man. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about. They, what they will put you to sleep too. I tell you that. Oh, you had oh, one? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. So it's and a. Not, 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 I, I haven't had mine, but I've had a, a mic bite. <laughs> I can't wait to learn more. Maybe we need to experiment <laughs> one of these at a lot. will knock your ass out, man. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, when you guys do a commercial for your version, now <laughs> you need to do like the flare flop. Oh, flare yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'll take one bite and walk two feet and go boom. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to be talking about you going boom way back in the day. I, I love watching old wrestling with you. I just want to explain how this all, uh, this idea really came together years ago. Gosh, back in 2014, maybe uh, you were here at the, uh, the house in Huntsville and you said, Hey, do you have any of my old steamboat matches? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, which one do you want? And you said you wanted to see the Chicago one. So we sat down and we watched that title switch uh, from 1989 where Ricky the Dragon Steamboat beat you for the world title. And it was the first time you had sat down and watched it because. I, I oh, never watched any of them back until I met you. Isn't that funny? I just think it's interesting that, that I got that experience in my home theater here. And now I want to bring that same thing to the audience. We're going to watch some of your old classic matches and you can sort of tell us what you were thinking at the time, what was going on, all of that. And we're going to do that today with perhaps one of your biggest opponents ever, Sting, from the very yeah. first Clash of the Champions. And, and there's so much context to this. I want to remind everybody this happened March 27th, 1988 at the Greensboro Coliseum. Now, this is after Starcade had left Greensboro for 1987, but coming back home and bringing a live show on TBS as a special like this, Greensboro was the natural choice. Was it not Rick? Yes. At that time. Yes. I'm excited that we're going to get to watch it. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody that we're still in the middle of a wrestling war, not like AEW and WWE are these days. It was a lot hotter. What we're talking about specifically is Vince McMahon was the king of pay-per-view. And when the Crockett promotions outfit decided they wanted to get into pay-per-view, well, Vince counter-programmed it. 1987, everyone remembers, Vince created Survivor Series really essentially just to undermine Starcade. Yes. And told a lot of the different cable providers, hey, if you carry their show, I won't give you WrestleMania. Instead, carry my show. He sabotaged Starcade, and as a result, Jim Crockett Promotions was never the same. Wouldn't you agree, Rick? Pretty much. That's a, that was the start of the beginning of the end. Yeah. And of course, the idea was at that time, and I'm just reading it, Rick, you lived it the narrative in the business was guys were making tons of money in non-traditional ways. So not just selling tickets or quote unquote picture money as Jeff Jarrett would say, but all of a sudden there were action figures, the LJN or the dolls as the guy would call it lunch yep. boxes, cartoons, all of that. So the, the word uh, on the, uh, the whisper campaign amongst the boys, telephone, telegram, telewrestler was boy, the iron Sheik just got 80 grand for this quarter for his, his doll yeah. or whatever. It was amazing. So and we, and we didn't realize obviously that he had put this marketing team in place. Vince had that, you know, we didn't, the Crockett's, you know, no, no, not sliding them whatsoever. They just weren't prepared for it. I mean, I think I just think Vince had more access to people being up in the New York area that came to him with ideas and they could have been his ideas. I don't know. I mean, he's a very smart guy, but it, it was just, it was brutal of watching these guys make these royalty checks working for the other guy. And, uh, you know, we, we at one time, I mean, I'm, I'm sure had we had that, that, uh, that opportunity and that tool in place, the four horsemen stuff and the sting stuff okay. and the rock and roll would have been brutal. I mean, it would have sold everywhere. Everywhere I go to this day, as you know, 
Oh, they're throwing up the four for sure. One out of every five pictures, they want to do this, no matter where I am. And what's what's fascinating to me about this era specifically is it's not as if Crockett was the only company who wasn't monetizing that way. In fact, it was the opposite. Vince McMahon was the only. It's not as it's not as if Watts was doing it or Graham was doing it or it wasn't happening anywhere else in the country. Vince really was ahead of the times. Oh, way ahead of the times. The real question I wanted to ask about because we're going to be talking about the clash match here, and this is sort of um, a receipt, if you will. Since Vince McMahon undermined the very big event, Starcade, which was really the granddaddy of them all, most folks remember this. Starcade was from 83. We didn't see WrestleMania until 85. Yeah. So, this big closed circuit pay per view type wrestling event, this is really before pay per view, but you get the idea. Starcade was there first. But once pay per view started to become more of a thing, WrestleMania became the brand. Uh, and, and I'm curious from your standpoint, Rick, when you saw that happen in 85, and you had all the pomp and circumstance of Madison Square Garden and the Rockettes and Muhammad Ali and just Madison Square Garden. Did you think, uh, it's okay, but not for me, or this is an experiment, but it'll be a fly by night. He'll lose money or it won't make. What did you think of the, uh, the original WrestleMania concept? I actually, I was, uh, you know, obviously I didn't have time to really look at it that close up, but I was happy for those guys. I'm, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I knew Hulk pretty well. Of course, I knew Roddy Piper was, you know, one of my closest friends in the business. And I knew Orndorff real well. I knew Bobby Orton. So I'm, I was happy for those guys. I've never looked at it as being as being anything that, that, that was bad for the business. I just, I was so proud of the fact that I was the NWA champion. And then, of course, that then the first WCW with, the, with that belt that, that you have. Um that I, I I didn't I didn't regret any decisions I made because I was invited to come up there in '86, the first time I think, and I, I just I couldn't leave Crockett and I couldn't leave uh, you know my friends the Four Horsemen and the, it was a I wasn't stressed out about it at all I was happy for them but I you know there's a, there's some untold stories that we'll talk about later on about how uh, Vince was able to make the payoffs for that, for that. Uh, for that WrestleMania. So, you know, that's just a story from another time. Crockett figured into that. Trust me. Oh, in a big way. Uh, we'll talk about that and and maybe we'll get into the business because there's been lots of rumor and innuendo about the way he funded WrestleMania, but we'll talk about that as you said down the road, but at least for now, that that was a big payroll hit for him, man. I mean, Oh yeah. When you're paying T and Hulk and Roddy and, Orndorff and Orton, I'm sure that they didn't get the same money that Roddy and Hulk did, but Liberace, Muhammad Ali, it was, it was a lot going on that night. It was a big gamble, and it certainly paid off. WrestleMania yeah. became the brand, uh, but but that really leads us to where we are with what we're going to be talking about today, because once they sabotage Starcade in, in 1987, you guys have a return act, and the idea was Crockett had to go to a lot of these talent and say, hey, guys, Forget the dolls, forget the cartoons, forget the lunch boxes. And I know we'll never have a show as big as WrestleMania because at this point, WrestleMania three is in the rearview mirror and buddy, it was the watershed moment in the industry. Such a huge opportunity for licensing, not just that live gate, but just mm-hmm. the impact it had on the business at large. But what Crockett does is he says, guys, here's what I'll do. I'll put you on a guarantee and we'll start paying you based on the houses. And if we don't make this total number at the end of the year, 
Well, we'll make it up to you, but the way we'll be able to make it up to you is we won't have one big pay-per-view of any year. We'll have four. So that was actually Crockett's idea first to have more pay-per-views than just the one WrestleMania. Of course, Vince created SummerSlam and he created survivor series and, and, and eventually he more than caught up, but survivor series was really created largely just to mess with you guys. And so when you guys do your January event, bunkhouse stampede, you don't just decide to run it all anywhere. We're going to run it in New York. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you run it in New York, well, what does Vince do? Well, he counter programs you. Now the pay-per-view companies won't play ball here because they've realized, wait a minute, we're the loser here. We're trying to sell as many pay-per-views as we can. We're not going to pick sides. We can't let you run a pay-per-view that same day, Vince. So Vince creates the Royal rumble just yeah. to sabotage bunkhouse stampede. And he gives yeah. it away for free on USA. Yeah. Well, now turnabout's fair play. Of course, everybody knows WrestleMania four is going to be a big happening. It's going to be at Trump Plaza, which is a, a, a big new building in Atlantic city. And they're going to make the macho man, Randy Savage. And it's a big opportunity, but dusty and Jim Crockett decide, nope, now it's our turn. We have a special event that's not a pay-per-view and we're going to put it on TBS, the Superstation, where everyone gets it absolutely free and we're going to run heads up at WrestleMania. This is really the first time Dusty and Crockett said, "Okay, enough's enough," right? Yep. Yeah, I don't know if that was what the, what the thought process was cuz I wasn't you know, as involved in the political process of that time, but I uh I knew that you know, we were going head up to him and I just uh I was, you know, like the way I am, way I approach it, I was excited to be part of it. It's, I mean, uh, you know, kind of like I told Ashley, I mean, I, I've been the main event, I think, on 10 Starcades, right? But really, if you look at it compared to Ashley being the main event of two WrestleManias, but in my day, it was big, but you can't compare it to what she's doing now. Well, I'm not, not changing the narrative, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was huge for us. And this is going to be a big opportunity, just the idea of Clash of the Champions, because in that day, you know, Crockett more so than, than even Vince McMahon at the time, they were making their money on the live events. So you want yeah. to run as many as you can, get as many people in there, sell as many tickets. But that meant on TV, you usually had lots of promos and lots of uh, enhancement matches, but you didn't have big time matches with big time finishes you didn't offer main events on free TV, not like you do now where you can see it every Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Sure. Sure. Um, what do you think of the idea of we're going to counter program WrestleMania and we're going to have big time matches? Um, well, you know, it's funny. I, I'm just being as honest with you. Ken. I didn't, I didn't look at it like that. Cause I wasn't, I mean, I just knew that we were in a good place and, and we still were, if we had, you know, as I've told you a hundred times, if we had just stayed east of the Mississippi River, we'd probably still be in business. I mean, we were selling out everywhere. And, that, you know, and I don't think, I don't know if we sold out Greensboro on this event or not, but it was big. And, uh, you know, the opportunity to wrestle Sting, who I thought was going to be huge if given the opportunity. I can't remember the rest of the card, but it was strong. Oh, yeah. That, that first Clash of the Champions was indeed a, a strong card. Yeah, uh, of course, the main event is what we're going to be talking about today. But just to, to give you the undercard, it's Mike Rotundo defeating uh, Jimmy Garvin in a college rules match. Yep. Midnight Express defending their United States Tag Team Championships against the Fantastics, a really underrated tag team of yep. Bobby and Tommy Rogers. Uh, we got the Road Warriors teaming up with Dusty Rhodes in a barbed wire match to take yep. on the Mars of Pain and Ivan Koloff. 
Uh, and then Lex Luger and Barry Windham are going to pick up a win for the tag team championships over Arn and Tully. Yeah. That's a loaded card before we get to the world title. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. No, we were good. We, and all the guys could really work back then. And I mean, like I just, as you know, I just always felt that not because the guys didn't have to, or didn't have the ability. They didn't have to work as hard up there because they were more involved in the entertainment aspect of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I felt like there was a lot more political stuff going on up there and worried about who's going to do this and do that. And not that we didn't do that too, but not to the extent that was going on up there. It was, it was rough treading, man. I thought Piper would tell me every day, I'm not putting anybody over. I said, well, good luck with that. And he didn't. <laughs> so, but it was entertaining. And, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you're, you're living as good as you can live up prior to the min- Monday night wars. I, uh, I can't wait for us to fire this up. I want everybody to watch along with us. Uh, if you haven't already pull up Peacock, man, get out clash of the champions season one, episode one. You want to go to uh, 58 minutes and 55 seconds. That's clash of the champions season one, episode one on Peacock. Watch along with us as we watch this match with sting at 58 minutes, 55 seconds. Uh, but before we do, uh, I want to let everybody know about rickflareshop.com because Rick, I can't believe the stuff you've got over there. You've got something for everybody. You got koozies, you got cutting boards, you got t-shirts, you got masks, you got leggings, you got hats. Everything is at rickflareshop.com right now. Is it not? Yeah, and we're loaded up. Uh, I was supposed to be making more promos for it, but I haven't, so I'm glad we're doing this. <laughs> Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, and without further ado, I say we watch the program, man. One more time. We're season one, episode one, Clash of the Champions. And we're at 58 minutes, 55 seconds. We're ready to roll. Here we go in three, two, one, play. WA World Tag Team Champions, Barry Wyndham and Lex Luger. What an electrified crowd that was here for that event. And the electricity will not stop, ladies and gentlemen. The heavyweight championship. Of That's the when these two guys were at the, right the best. Yep. At the best, the height of the career. And they really work well together. They still do. Ladies and gentlemen, this event, a one-fall match with a 45-minute time limit for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. For this event, there must be a winner. We do have judges outside the ring. Introducing to you right now, our panel of judges, Gary Juster of the Member of Board of Directors of the National Wrestling Alliance. Former NWA professional wrestling star, Sandy Scott. The Pet of the Year, Patty Mullen. And someone you know and love from the hit television series, Ken Osmond, who portrays Eddie Haskell on the new Leave it to Beaver. Also, we'd like to welcome Jason Hervey, star of The Wonder Years. 
All right, so we can take down the audio there. I just wanted everybody to hear the the introduction of the celebrities. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the idea that you guys had a penthouse pet there. Yeah. That doesn't exactly feel like family programming, but I'm sure you were not opposed. I know, but I, I look back at that now, and I think I, I don't know where. Who, <laughs> to this day, I'm not sure anyhow a couple of people were involved in judging a world championship wrestling match. Yeah, Eddie Haskell. Yeah, in the yeah. Wonder Years. That's we, we, we've gone from with Steamboat and I was Pat O'Connor, Buddy Rogers, Terry Funk, Luthes, and, and this one right here. I don't know. I'm not sure where that group of that group arrived there. I, I assume some of that is because TBS said, "Hey, exactly, we want yeah. you to cross promote." Yep. Uh, so here we see Sting coming in, and by the way, this is. This is the match where a lot of people agree you made Sting. I just want to give everyone the context of this. He didn't even show up on TBS until October of the prior year, October 17th, 1987. And I think you've only really worked Sting a couple of times in the run-up to this. Uh, why was Sting the right opponent, Rick? I know. Justin just came to me and said, what do you think? And I said, well, I love them. I mean, I, I think it was new, fresh, and he... He, he had that look that, um, you know, that very few guys have ever had. I mean, the paint, the charisma, very charismatic, really athletic. There's the, the robe that Darius has. Yep. <laughs> um, no, it was just one of those things that worked out. And, you know, he, I, he, you know I don't think I've ever met, met a nicer guy. Some guys are just really too nice for this business, and he and Ricky Steamboat were two of them. I mean, just really nice guys. I mean, staying to this day, um, you know, just remains one of the most humble, nice people I've ever met. So we, we see uh, JJ Dillon going up and in, in what I've known as the, the shark cage. Let's track yeah. the video here. Let, let's hear these introductions. You know, we left them in Sarasota there one night for an hour after the building closed. <laughs> His greatness is really underestimated. <laughs> Introducing now the challenger from Venice Beach, California, weighing in at 260 pounds. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sting. And now, the world's heavyweight champion, five times over. Ladies and gentlemen, weighing at 242 pounds, the world's heavyweight champion from Charlotte, North Carolina, the Nature Boy, Rick Blair. We can end the track there, but man, how underrated was trucking Tom Miller? He did a great job, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. Yes, he did. Tom was great. And there was probably, if you had your pick, there's nobody you'd rather be in there with than Tommy Young, right? Oh, absolutely. To, to this day. I mean, Tommy should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I hate that people like that get you know, over or get, get left out because as time goes by. But people, he was fantastic. Yeah. The, uh, the show here has 6,000 fans in attendance. And as a reminder, guys, this is head-to-head with WrestleMania. So sure, you could pay... Uh, and, and come out of your pocket and, and have a pay-per-view for WrestleMania, or 
You can just have it absolutely free uh, right here on TBS, a world title match. And Sting at this point was gaining a lot of momentum. I mean, he certainly has the look that the WWF oh, was trying to go for yeah, right. with, with the face paint and the entertainment and the fun haircut and the rat tail and the neon colors. And yeah. Yeah. He was, it, I just can't say enough about him. He was great. We see Gary Juster on the end right there. And I, 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 I talk to Gary periodically now. <laughs> He's uh, I talked to him not too long ago. He's got a big, uh, a big surgery coming up. So I'm yeah. we're, we're pulling for him. Oh, he does. I didn't know. He's, I think he's getting a new hip put in. Oh, I did not know that. No. So we're pulling for him and, and hopefully he makes a speedy recovery. Uh, I've known. I can't, a few folks I can't who, tell you how many hotels he's bailed me out of in the morning when my credit card didn't work. <laughs> 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 Big night at the bar kids. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, that damn daily limit. It gets you when you're buying those $4,000 dinners. <laughs> Daily limit is that what it is? Well, no, seriously. Is that what happened? Is that what happened in Dallas when you bailed me out? (laughs) The daily limit. I'm sure of it. The daily limit. What you got to do, Rick, is you got to go down to your local banker and you got to say, "Hey, man." Oh, I got one now. I got one now. Two thousand dollars shit ain't cutting it. I need a ten thousand dollar daily limit, and then you know, spend to your heart's content. I suppose. I got a new bank in Tampa, man. I'm rolling now. By the way, what we're watching right now, Rick, and I know you didn't keep up with this back then. This is the 1988 match of the year, according to the readers of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. So think about that. Of, of every match that, that the readers saw, whether it was here in America or in Mexico or in Japan, but certainly the NWA, certainly the WWF, this is the match that people said was the very best match of the year, and I'm excited we get to watch it together here. Oh, I always like back. Anything to do with Sting. I think I have watched this back before, but um, certainly I've I've watched highlights of it. How did you decide what you were going to wear? Like, how did you land on on purple trunks and purple knee pads here? I really don't know because I I never asked my opponent what they were wearing. I just, you know, picked out something I thought was nice. You know, if I had a good tan, I probably wore lighter colors. It all depends on where I had been. Does that make sense? Yeah. I obviously was home in Charlotte before this, but. I can guarantee I didn't go home that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time to have a little fun, I would guess. Uh, when, when you're structuring a match like this, and of course we know that, boy, wrestling has changed quite a bit. Oh, man, look at there, the chop, and he just starts walking you down. Is that something you guys would have worked out beforehand? No, I'd call it there. He, he, that's one thing I like about Steve. He could, he didn't have, he could, he could, he could say it, and he, and he got it. Yeah. Not, not, what'd you say? What'd you say? I mean, he, he was very attentive. The, you know, uh, you know uh, Mike, I, I, I said this when I inducted him in the hall of fame, you know, to, to go out there and wrestle 50 minutes is not easy. If you haven't ever done it before and he had never done, I don't bet he had as long as match up to now, it'd probably been 15 minutes. So it's got- amazing. And I, I didn't want to press him. Because a lot of the stuff that we did was where he had to be at himself to press slam me and stuff like that. But he never got tired. He never drew a deep breath. And, he, and he, I don't think he ever got really nervous either. You guys were clearly uh, working on this match on the build up here. Uh, you would work together in Baltimore on the 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. On the 12th, you would work together in, um, or I'm sorry, in the 13th in Columbus, Ohio. You did the same match uh, at the Omni on the 13th as well. Mm. Um, 
you, you took it all over. I mean, w- whether you're talking Reno, Nevada, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks prior, you were there with this one, the great Western forum, which obviously is where the Lakers play. That would have been a big time opportunity. Yeah. The gardens. So it, even the UIC pavilion in Chicago and St. Louis, Missouri, and the night before even. So in Richmond, Virginia, you're still doing this same match in front of 2000 mm-hmm. fans there. By that point, you've really got all the bugs and kinks. Yes. You've got yeah. them worked out now, right? Yeah, he was. I was really comfortable with him as he was with me. Shoot you in the ropes there. Big shoulder tackle. Drop down. Leapfrog. Look there, man. You guys are uh, on fire here. Oh, and the big press slam. You loved having Sting yeah. press slam me. Yeah. Well, he was good for him. See, he lost it for a second. It's so strong, he recovered. Man, you don't see him do a lot of head scissor takeovers, but there they are, and a big hip toss. Man, this is just nonstop action so far, and that's the that's the reason Meltzer loved it. Uh, he would say um, Ric Flair and Sting went to a 45-minute draw in the NWA title match. Mm-hmm. This was certainly a match-of-the-year candidate. The match started out slow pace, but the heat never died, and it was never dull. Flair did a great job of selling like bear hugs and headlocks early on, Actually, there's no wrestler in the business who could have put on the performance Flair did in this match. He was so good. I almost thought Sting was going to stand there in awe of him. Sting held up his end, although Flair was certainly doing the carrying. I also want to make mention of Jim Ross, who did a tremendous job with Tony Schiavone on the commentary the whole show, but especially in the first 25 minutes when things were so spaced. He sold the match and sold the intensity and the importance of the match. We had the impression we were watching a classic before it actually turned into a legit classic. The, the commentary piece, Rick, I don't think gets enough attention. No, heard some people say that you guys are making the music, but they provide the lyrics to the song. And I think Jr. was at his best in this era. Just my opinion. Oh yeah. As I said earlier, they, those guys were really, their chemistry was great. And Jim has always been, you know, when he, when he's on, man, he's, you know, the, the, as you know, the announcers can make you or break you. Even at, today at AEW or WWE, and uh, that's one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of um, who's, who's the kid we were talking about earlier that just came on. Um, it does the color on SmackDown. Oh yeah, Pat McAfee. Pat, Pat McAfee is fabulous. It brings so much energy to it. Yes. This is a uh, nonstop action. And you compare this to what the WWF was presenting that day. And Meltzer would say this: Jim Crockett kicked Vince McMahon's ass Sunday afternoon. Uh, and on the single least likely day of the year for that to happen. Of course, we won't have anything resembling economic figures. And McMahon did make more money, of course, which in some would, which is some would say is the bottom line. I can't believe anyone who would watch both shows could do anything but laugh at the comparison there really was no comparison. You know, the WWE or the WWF at the time was certainly more entertainment. This was more physicality. I mean, let's not forget earlier on this same show on TBS, there was a barbed wire match. Yeah. Uh, And and this is, um, you know, these days when when there's more quote unquote smart fans and people want to know what star ratings are and all that, well, there's nothing that's going to compare to you and staying on that day on either show. Well, you hope not. But I go have to look back at JJ. They're never nonstop energy. You know, you can just sit in that cage and do nothing because you never, never know when the camera's going to be on you. Right. But every time they hit JJ, he's, he's in motion. I don't think 
there's no way they could have buzzed him to tell him to, to keep moving around. So he, my kudos to him. I'm not saying that you've ever said that you made sting, but a lot of people point to this match and say, boy, he made sting that day. Do you remember sting being nervous uh, about this opportunity? Oh, or I think he was, know? but not, not to the point where it affected him in the ring. That that's the one thing when you're really nervous, you know, I've had guys throw up them before they wrestled me. And I just thought to myself, I just knew him. And like you said, we had some matches earlier. He just knew what he was doing. And they, you know, even all that, like that steam, that, that spot right there, I used to do a steam mode all the time. And Steve didn't really know where to drop right there. So it looked kind of awkward, but he, he, if he told you something, he could do anything. I'm curious. If I told him something, he could do anything. Tommy Young here is uh, at this point probably the best referee in the business. What made Tommy so special? He loved being a part of it. He wanted to be as big a part of the match as he possibly could be. And he never took any time off. Does that make sense? He moved around. He dove in for the fun twos. He actually made it, you know, he made it look really like it was. See him right here. He's not getting too much, but he's just making. Oh, look at there. Switching it around. He goes from a chop to here come the big punch punches in the corner. You don't see this very much anymore. He's just threatening right now. How about that? And he eases up, acquiesces. Man. Just nonstop motion. <laughs> the flare flop, buddy. Golly, that's good stuff. Woo choose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly yeah, right. You see what I mean? There's nonstop action up there, man. What do you guys call that? Did you have a nickname for the shark cage? No. Uh, I told you that we're in Sarasota one night. I was wrestling Dusty. <laughs> when they closed the building, left JJ in a cage for an hour after the building was closed. <laughs> Up in the air. I'm sure he was uh, not too tickled with that. <laughs> I was back at the bar and Young, was getting out of the cage. Tommy Young on the outside, making sure he got a good shot. I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen that before. No, yeah, man. He Tommy was just he, he he had that natural instinct to just be where to be. You know what I mean? Look at that chick. What do you think she's thinking about me right now? <laughs> she, she can't be looking at Sting, can she? I mean, maybe, maybe. God, he was handsome, wasn't he? He was. Still is. Yeah, uh, still is. He is. The the match got uh, four and three quarter stars from Meltzer. Uh, you guys went to a draw. Of course, that was really your MO as the touring NWA champion, especially in the years prior when you're hitting all the different territories. You're the bad guy, uh, the flashy, flamboyant, you know, millionaire, big shot, bad guy. And you come to town to town, challenge their, allow their big baby face to challenge you. And he gets, oh, so close, but doesn't ever quite get it done. And there's lots of time limit draws. This is another example of that. Is that Jackie Crockett we see moving around the outside there? Yeah. It sure is. You know, it, it's funny. I'll tell you a funny story about the end of this match. I was out of my mind because they they gave me the wrong time cues. Really? Yeah, I sat in a scorpion way too long. 
because they gave me the wrong time cues. I was screaming at Jackie afterwards. <laughs> so Jackie would have been the one communicating with you? Yeah. Well, Jackie was giving a time to Tommy. So Jackie probably has a headset on, I would guess. Yeah. So he's hearing from the truck and he's communicating to Tommy. Yeah. I got you. You know, Jackie's like one of the unsung heroes of the Crockett outfit. We, yes. we hear people talk about Jim all the time. We saw David all the time, but man, one of the guys who's there a lot of times right there in the middle of all this with you is Jackie, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jackie hung with us every day, but it just, you know, what? here's what happens. You talked about Tom Miller and some of the other guys, right? Yeah. The old school guys, and even as good as they were, if, if you don't understand what, what's going on in these events, you know, we're not doing stuff like this before. All of a sudden, the guys that have never done this stuff are doing, you know, live matches on TV, you know, where we have to be precisely on time. Does that make sense? Yes. And and they don't they didn't know how to do it. So you can't really fault them. You just wonder how in the hell, you know, how in the hell do you, do you, you know, make get better at it because – you know, Vincent guys never to this day, they don't miss a cue. And they do, they're in a world of shit. Time cues are everything, especially on live TV, which this was. To be clear, Sting right here had just had his 29th birthday mm -hmm. uh, and he hadn't been in the business a whole hell of a long time. But of course, I think everybody knows famously, he started at the exact same time as the ultimate warrior. Yeah. And he, the ultimate warrior is going to be a big part of the WrestleMania show. And of course, two years from here, you know, Sting's going to become the world champion, as does the Ultimate Warrior on the other channel. And mm -hmm. it's, it's been fun for me to think about if you could fantasy book, what if things turned out differently? And somehow Jim Helwig wound up with Jim Crockett Promotions and Steve Borden wound up with the World Wrestling Federation. I think Sting could have somehow been an even bigger star with that WWF merchandise. Absolutely. And Jim Helwig would have been on the first match. Isn't that if crazy got, to think if, about? If he, if he got booked, period. <laughs> Sorry to say that, but you can say anything about someone that's not here, but there no comparison in their ability in the ring. How many matches did you have with Warrior over the years? Just a handful, just, right? Just two. Just two in my life. What was that like? They were horrible. The first one I came out of the ring in, in Winnipeg, Canada, and Pat Patterson was standing there and said, That's the worst world championship match I've ever seen in my life. And I said, Pat, you don't have to tell me I was in it. <laughs> the second time with Charles Barkley in the front row in Phoenix, he dropped me on my head, and that's when I got the inner ear problem. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Then the next day, I flew in and dropped the belt to Brett. Remember? I knew you had some sort of vertigo thing, and and, and oh, that was bad. Yeah, and I, that's why I felt so bad about the match with Brett when we changed the title to him, and then I went home because I couldn't get up and down with the equilibrium. Right. It makes sense. I could get up, but I, I didn't have my balance. Yeah. It's kind of like, remember, I remember after Edge suplexed me in a ladder match? Yep. It happened to me again. Oh, I didn't know and, that. And where, he, where I, he gave me a suplex, and the thing went mm -hmm. off for a minute, and he went up to drop kick me. I remember, I walked, I rocked, I walked the wrong way because I couldn't walk straight. Wow. And the other time it happened when Jeff Jarrett hit me with a guitar. But otherwise, I've been lucky. It's gone. It's been normal, but. I, there's another thing for me to give Jeff shit about, you know, he's on his podcast every week telling everybody yeah. he's a horseman and I'm not buying it. Yeah. Tell me he gave me the vertigo gimmick. 
in Detroit. So if this wasn't Sting, you know, let's let's say for whatever. Look, 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 look at the energy as you're firing up, man. Getting the crowd into it. Yep. And physically, this and is so damn. It's so damn athletic too. See, you know, here's the deal: when you're working with a guy like this and you want to make him strong, he can't. He's got to work strong all the way through. So when he when he missed that elbow, he, there's no way that he, he he can sell it after what we've been through. Does that make sense? Yes. He missed it and got right back up. Now, if he lays there like he got killed after missing an elbow, anything else we do with psychology-wise doesn't mean anything. We've already painted a picture that he's like you know almost incredibly difficult to get down. What's the um, what's the rule of thumb to match structure, Rick? There's a lot of folks who are listening to this who've, who've ne never obviously been in a wrestling match, but you know, is there a formula that you like to abide by? Um, well, my formula is to get the guy over. Depending on the length of time you have in the match, is to get the guy you're working with over so strong that when you finally cut him off, the people will feel sorry for him. But you, but you have to cut him off with a cheap shot. It can't be something where you're just overpowering him. Those kind of things, I've never thought that was cool. Does that make sense? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna take Undertaker down, I got to do it really, you know, with a low blow or somebody interferes. Crafty. How, how, how else do I get him down? Does that make sense? Yep. They used to tell Mark. I used to tell Andre. Anybody like Big Show, if you guys would just fall to your knees. So we're almost the same height. We can really have a match. Just sell from your knees where I can do logical stuff. You know what I mean? Jump on them and all that. Because otherwise it's so much bigger. It doesn't make sense. Look right. at Eddie. Eddie thinks he's going home with the penthouse girl. I don't think so. <laughs> Boy, this is a different era. You can just see, you know, when you look out in the crowd, obviously yeah. it's pre cell phones. Uh, you know, this is pre you know, camera phones and pre really signs. There's not a ton of signs here, but everybody's paying attention. Everybody knows how significant this is, especially in Greensboro. Yeah. Well, you know, you notice that he, um, when he sells for me too, he really sells. Yeah, he does. JJ's earning his money tonight, man. Yeah. But you notice, I tell you that the fact that he's always on, Doing a great job selling the back right now after you've thrown him into the guardrail, now into the buckles. Yeah, he um he really knew how to sell for a guy that big. I mean, you know, Sting is just plain as handsome and pretty as anybody could be right here. You know what I mean? But this is where you learn. This is where it's Ricky Steamboat and Ricky Morton and selling that to it. Did, um, did you have a favorite set of spots that you like to do with saying we saw the press slam a lot but are, yeah, are there drop down drop down leapfrog drop down leapfrog yeah that was my favorite i would just call it first spot of the match <clears throat> i say let me have a warm-up bump then we'll go <laughs> this knee drop here this is a harley race special is it not yeah i just changed it around harley always just did it standing over you yeah so i just backed up but that's clearly i learned it from harley <clears throat> What's the magic of having the best knee drop possible? Not to hurt the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tear his forehead off if you're careful. 
Is that just trial and error? Just tons of practice to get that done? I mean, you've yeah. talked before. Well, about- the back, me, I wore a knee pad, so wasn't going to happen that often. But, like, um, you know, some guys like Dusty and that would cut themselves when I did it. I'd pull the knee pad up, right, and hit them with my shin bone. Yeah. Which, in reality, would open anybody up, right? So everybody had a different way of doing it. But just them trusting me. But see, one thing about Sting, too, Sting let me hit him. And I mean, I really would punch and knock the shit out of him, chopping him. My steam mode, he stayed open, always stayed open. <clears throat> the uh, the judges at ringside, as we said, probably a TBS call, but boy, it does a great job because you had a 5.8 rating, a 12.6 share. That means it was viewed in over two and a half million homes. And of course, these days, we don't talk about the number of homes. We talk about the number of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you assume that there's just two people per household, that's 5 million folks that are watching this, but realistically it's even more than that. I mean, this is a it, big, it, it got a seven, seven rating, right? Uh, I think it got a, um, uh, 5.8. I don't know. Steve just undid my notes. So I'm not sure. Oh, I thought it was a seven, seven for a while. I, don't know. I had it and I don't, I don't know. That's fun to look back on it. Man, those damn obliques have haunted me my whole life. (laughs) 5.8, 12.6 share. Okay. This is uh, obviously going to be the match that uh, that helped make Sting. On the other channel, we've got uh, Randy Savage becoming the man. Were you friendly with Randy? Had you ever even worked with Randy at this point? Did you know him in 88? Oh, I, I helped break Randy in. Really? Randy came to Charlotte in 70, uh, 75, right after I got there. He had just come from playing minor league baseball with the Cardinals. And he and Landy lived together. <clears throat> I helped. I kind of helped break Randy in. Man, we, got, we, could, we got along real well. Man, look at Sting. No, I, no, I didn't see him again for a long time until we got to New York. But, yeah, I always liked Randy. <clears throat> Man, look at you begging off. This is this is great stuff. And then of course you outsmart him. Down goes Sting. Some of your best stuff here, man. This is really really good stuff. And then we see uh, Sting by Sandy Scott. That's a name that some wrestling fans, you know, younger fans may not be familiar with. Tell us yeah. about Sandy Scott. Sandy and George. Yep, George is the one that got me where I'm at. Can you explain what they meant to your career and what their roles were in the business? Well, Sandy was just, you know, just a good friend. George was the booker that gave me the idea to call Olivia Walker and to, uh, to start doing the Rogers stuff, which I'll, I'll quote Harley flair took Rogers stuff to a whole new level. <laughs> But he's the one that gave me the idea. And then my, Olivia made my first robe, and then we were off and running. What was Sandy doing behind the scenes for the company? He was a, he ran towns. He ran about five of the towns. Roanoke, he lived up in the Roanoke area. But he was always at Greensboro. So he did the kind of things that a guy like Steve, Steve's 255 there. 
to be able, even though I'm helping him a little bit, to be able to nip up like that. Big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, yeah. And then and he, and here he is. We got to be 30 minutes into the match, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're almost 30 minutes right in from our playback here. A big hip toss out of the corner. But that's the third time he set that big punch up in the corner. Oh, and there we go for a near fall. You, yeah, that's, the only, that's the only thing that we didn't do very well is we didn't have a lot of false finishes because we just weren't that familiar with each other and haven't gone that long. I don't think the longest we'd ever gone before was probably about 25 minutes. Yeah. I should mention that, uh, you know, you guys were really working this pretty regular. Uh, you even continued it the very next day. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina at the Memorial Auditorium. Yeah. No DQ match with you and Sting. Mm-hmm. You guys were going to be married, not just for this short run, but really for the rest of your careers. When yep. did you know you were going to be married to Sting for the long haul? Um, right, probably after this match. Yeah. That was so well received. And I just think he just, you know, he got, he got better every day. <clears throat> On the other side of, of, uh, this match, like when you're, you're all done, you're coming back through the curtain. Did you feel like you guys had done something special? Were you feeling it or were you I did, not? I did, but I, I can remember like yesterday, I was so mad. As you'll see at the end of the match, I was in a scorpion way too long. Yeah. And that's when once I, there's no way to get to the rope and have them put it on me again. It will look like shit. But I sort you know, if I had to do over again, the two things if I had to do over again, I would have, you know, I would have really gone over that with the, with the referee on <clears throat> the time of that. And number two, when I, when he beat me in green in Baltimore, I would have, that's I regret that looking back. I know I should have had him beat me with the scorpion. Uh, well, let's do some questions, by the way, if you want to ask a question, uh, here on the program, you can do it over on Twitter at to be the man pod. It's at to be the man pod on Twitter. Adam wants to know what were the feelings backstage concerning the first clash going up against WrestleMania? Was there any additional pressure to put on a great match? Knowing that fact? Um, no, I think we just look at it as a challenge. I mean, we, one thing that you, 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 as you've done through this podcast, kind of, you pointed out, we worked every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, we didn't go home after this. We, I got drunk and went to work the next day in Greenville. We did the same thing. I don't know what Steve did back then. I think he might have had a drink or two back then, but the show was on the road, man. We didn't we didn't have days off. That was unheard of. Uh, Drew Landry wants to know. You said in other media, Sting was your toughest opponent. Was this the match you knew Sting was your toughest opponent, or was there another? See, look at the athletic ability there. That cross body all the way across the ring was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was my toughest opponent, but he was one of the, the most fun to be with. My toughest, I mean, when I tell people, I, I'm usually I feel like we're talking about Harley Race. Right. The, the two different words. But it, it, Steve is certainly one of the most talented. And see, it's, you know, if a guy isn't with you, I'm, if he wasn't with me trying to lift him up for that move to get him that high over my body, That's impossible. it would actually look like I hurt his knee. Yeah. That's athleticism on his part. Yeah, a lot of guys. Well, you, you meet they they don't feel comfortable. If they don't know where they're going, because I've I've suplexed guys, you know, got them like that and dropped them on their back. But they don't trust you. But he trusted me through everything. 
Michael McClanahan asked a great question here, Rick. He wants to know people oftentimes credit this match. Uh, and Rick, as Rick Flair, as being one of the ones to put Sting on the map, who does Rick remember working with that elevated his career the same way Rick elevated Sting? Wahoo McDaniels. Really? Yes. But it was never on national TV. Right. Wahoo taught me a lot. It was a survival man with Wahoo. He was so damn tough. But I learned how to be, you know, I learned how to be, hang in there. And I mean, I've, you know, what these guys like Wahoo were so competitive. It's hard to explain. I mean, I've wrestled so many great guys. You could even right here. He's he's right there for it. And that people can believe that because if in real life it would hurt if you drop someone like that. Of course. Um we're trying to answer your question. What did you ask me prior to that about yeah, tough guys? I mean Jack Mulligan was a real tough guy. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. These I called guys like Steamboat and Sting a night off. <clears throat> so easy. I would look at Sting and the referee was giving instructions. I would say, "You're in the ring tonight with the greatest athlete in the world today." <laughs> he started laughing. That was it. That's all we did was have fun. He just uh, listened to everything. It was perfect. Josh wants to know. I've heard on other podcasts that back in the territory days, the champions had to be quote unquote shoot badasses because guys would come and try to make a name for themselves by beating the champion. My question is many wrestling fans have you and Shawn Michaels as one a and one B with the main difference being you are the best traveling champion. Do you have any stories that you can share where a guy tried to take liberties and maybe legit beat you for the belt and make a name for himself in a smaller territory? Just wondering, because we don't hear a lot of shoot stories when you were trying to defend the I only went through that once with Jumbo Saruta in Japan. Really? Yeah. They wanted to beat me. That's why they sent Harley with me. Harley had to manage me. See how athletic he is to go up that high, and not, he, he wasn't worried about me dropping him on his head or anything. Yeah, at thirty-five minutes into the match, too. Yeah, once, once you've gone um, um, that long, and then you trust someone because you, you know, once you've been dropping your head going backwards, you'll never forget it. I guarantee you. One time land on your head backwards, and you'll you'll you'll, you'll remember it your whole career. If if it if you hurt yourself. You know, when you were setting this figure four up and you drug him over and then you did it a second time, I thought, man, you're going to be so close. You're going to hit your head on the ropes and you didn't duh. It's because you're going to set it up to get this extra leverage here. You damn dirty cheater. You. Yeah, I know it. I was horrible. This is where <laughs> Tom Young was so good. Yes. I'd be, I'd be talking to Tom Young right now. See, he's listening to me. Right. See, here's the other thing I would tell these guys. <clears throat> this is real, real important. This is the kind of stuff that makes wrestling good guys or good wrestlers are bad. If I'm going to hold the rope, it, you, the, he, if I don't hold the rope and he doesn't sell like I'm holding the rope, it doesn't make any difference. Right. <clears throat> okay, he can sell regular right there. But when I grab the rope, watch him. Watch what he does. He really goes crazy. You know what I mean? Yes. This is where you need a good referee. Because if I'm grabbing a rope and he stays in the same position, <laughs> it doesn't mean shit. That's where Steve, this is where Steve would really learn at a young age how to sell this stuff. You know, if you're going to put your foot in the ropes, try to hold a guy's shoulder down, you know what I mean? That's where the referee, the timing comes in, so important. That would be a great referee. This is the first time I told him this. It dragged me back in the middle of the ring. 
See, now I'm panicking because I can't get to it. This is great stuff, man. Oh, and now he's going to reverse it. Everybody knows what's coming. And now he's got it. Classic stuff, man. Chase Lamar says it's been speculated often, and you may have answered this before, but what do you think would have happened if sting and warrior had reversed? We kind of talked about that earlier, but the big question is, do you think sting would have had similar or more success with the WWF? Sting would have been put in a political, political position where I don't know that he would have survived, but did he have talent? Oh my God. Yeah. I told him a bunch of times when all this stuff started happening at WCW, I said, let me call Vince McMahon. But he stayed true to it, and I paid him a lot of money, and, you know, it worked out for him ultimately. But he, towards the end of when all the crap was going on, he deserved to be up there. And he would he would have been huge up there. But like everywhere else, there's politics too, you know, the new guy coming in. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just saying from the merchandise standpoint, as handsome as he was, that gear, paint, and everything. And, the, and the, the kids just loved them. Everybody loved them. We, um, yeah, I'm telling Tom Young to get out here. It's like, <laughs> Tommy's right there. How good is that? He's tremendous, dude. Big standing suplex, staple back then. Why don't you think people do the standing suplex more often now? I don't know because they've forgotten how good it looked because nobody sells anything. (laughs) Oh, double knees up for the splash. Dirty dog wants to know uh, what are Rick's thoughts on doing the clash of the champion specials? Did he think they'd help Jim Crockett promotions? Of course, at this point you're playing catch up ball, but you know, the only Anderson school of thought, the old school way of thinking was. And you can't give away these big time shows. It'll kill your houses. Uh, so you shouldn't put this thing on TV, but others would say, no, no, this is what it takes to grow. what do you think back then, Rick, in 1988? Mm. Well, I didn't understand the financial ramifications as much as I probably should have. So I, I actually thought that, um, it was better to do these big shows live because you have to remember our viewing audience, um, you know, we, we we didn't have the which was which, which killed us. We didn't have the saturation on the West Coast with TBS that that the network TV has had for them. So now, of course, TBS is everywhere. But back then, you know, anything west of the Mississippi that they didn't have nearly the saturation. So that's why first time we went to LA and all that, we sold out. But every house after that went down. It's not because we didn't give them great shows. We just, you know, we just didn't have the, uh, did it, we didn't have the audience. Andy P wants to know what was it about sting that made him the guy that you wanted to eventually drop the title to instead of Lex Luger. I, cause I promised Sting in Corpus Christi. I said, I'll, I'll wait for you to get back. It was never about Lex. I promised Sting. And Jim Hurd was such an asshole that, you know, I just said, hey, you know, that you, t- you just want to do it. I can, there's a lot of reasons. It was nothing against Lex Luger at all. It was that, that was strictly a contract thing. So people are going to have a different version, a different story. I know the story. So when I was with it and 
um, apparently I was right because they fired her and I was gone. You know, this is really a game changer for Sting. As we said, you've been working with him on, on the loops, but as far as the television audience, the last sort of big time show we saw him at was Starcade. And he was in the opening six man tag with the Freebirds against Eddie Gilbert, Larry Zabisco, and Rick Steiner. It went to a time limit draw. And, you know, he's on the card and that's special. That's important. That's cool. But here he is for the world championship in a live TBS special going to a 45 minute draw. No denying that he's a star on the other side of this. What do you remember his reaction being after the match? Was he as thrilled with it as you were? Oh, he was really happy. I mean, I, I liked the match. I just hated the ending. Right. Because of the timing situation. I don't think he was aware of that. And then he wouldn't have been in the business long enough to know what I was talking about. But I just felt like I killed. I, well, also, I didn't because it kept working. But it, that you can kill a damn hold like that for a baby face. I mean, it's sitting in this hold that long. I mean, I should have, if I had thought about it and I was quick enough, then I would have had him carry back on a stretcher. Like I didn't, like I didn't give up. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? Yeah. Man, look at, uh, look at Sting. Now, just if you're not watching, and by the way, you should be, uh, find us on YouTube. Uh, just look up Rick Flair on YouTube and ta-da, there it'll be. But, uh, God, she, she's in awe of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Sting. Hypothetically, uh, he's got you in the figure four. Uh, that's one of the, uh, the staples that you used to have back then is, you know, you could put the figure four on them, but they could reverse it. And then they could put the figure four on you as a submission hold. Uh, it's pretty cool in that regard that, you know, you would let it go both ways. Um, and, and, and we didn't see that a lot with other submission moves, but we did with the figure four. And I think maybe that's why it works so well. Yeah, well, because I couldn't beat anybody with it anyway. <laughs> Should have tried arching your back. I, I, I probably, I probably called this too many times. The punch in the corner and the hip toss out. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that one a few times here. Yeah, I probably called that too many times. You know what the problem was? I couldn't get blood in this one, so I was at a loss. <laughs> oh, that was that was a regular part of the repertoire for, for sure. me. Yep. Couldn't work without a blade. <laughs> I could sell, but I it wasn't the same without the red hair. You know, when this show is over, uh, and you guys have clearly based See, on little things like that that I taught Sting, he remembered. You can put a guy's foot on a rope. You got to you got to hold it in place. Yes, <laughs> the referee, my classic. Now I know we're getting ready to go home. <laughs> Oh, it's been a while. We needed to see that Yeah, on the turnbuckle. And and that's, uh, something you borrowed from somebody else's book as well. Right. A young man named Ray Stevens. Yep. Was he your favorite wrestler as a kid? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. You would think right now with your head down, maybe you're going to come up with a little, yeah, I know. it looks yeah. like it, doesn't it? Yeah. I think I was, I think I went to do it. Remember I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, should, I should have dove on top of walked over and fell on top of the penthouse girl. Done the flop right on top of her in a white dress. <laughs> it's interesting to see how just the evolution of, of the set design is different, you know, different, oh, bear, yeah, know. the, the row, the, the, the rows are way back away from that guardrail too, but no mats around the floor either. 
No, I know. Uh, I was getting to though. You think Crockett and uh, and Dusty were happy at the end of this program? Oh yeah, they were ecstatic. I know TBS was too. Man, isn't it crazy that you know that really became Hulk's version or, or, or Sting's version of hulking up? Just yeah, that whole beating the chest thing that really worked. Yeah, that was great. Raking your head across the top rope. You don't see that anymore either. No. Because guys don't sell it. The big off routine, man. Such a classic piece of what you were doing back then. What do you think Sting weighs here, if you had to guess? 255. Got just unreal physique, right? Yeah, I mean, this is the best shape I think he was ever in. <laughs> Nothing for that atomic drop. Down goes the clothesline. Great stuff, man. Foot on the rope. Looks like these uh, the toes of these boots are wearing out. That's usually where your boots wear out first, though, right? Yeah, from the flip. Yeah. The metal. How many pairs of boots do you think you bought over the years? 600. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, I used to buy three a month. Wow. And then, of course, we, got there, we all know we're there. Scattered around everywhere. Well, yeah, but the people pile up in Charlotte. <laughs> you think she still has a bunch of them? Well, God, I mean, you know, all my trunks and knee pads, I, I saved all my stuff. Hmm. It was all gone. Those damned ex-wives. Yeah. I had that back. Just think about it. Five robes with Tiffany. Jeez. Yeah, that uh, that pink one on the top of RickFlairShop.com, I think, got sold on the side of a highway. Yeah. Like, like 12 years yeah. ago. So clearly in a match like this, I mean, you're the uh, not only the quote-unquote heel, but the, the veteran. So you're going to be calling this. Well, but this is really before there's quote unquote agents in wrestling, right? It's just mm-hmm. between you and Sting putting this together. Yeah, but I don't think we even talked much before the match because dr- dressing rooms were separate there. And yet you would have had to be seen by the crowd. See, this is where he's strong. He comes right back in. And this is the kind of stuff that, see how athletic he is? Yep. Same spot that he just did, but now it's your turn. He's trying to see if he can finish the sunset flip, but you fall down, grab the ropes. Tommy Young's having nothing to do with it. Yeah, that was a false finish. A lot of people stood up right there and thought for sure when Sting reversed it, that was it. In hindsight, would it have been a good idea since they were anointing Randy Savage on the other channel? Could it have worked if you'd have let Sting beat you here for the world title? Absolutely. Man, what a great performance. I see why this one match of the year. You don't see very many 45 minute matches in wrestling anymore. Do you think our, our just uh, attention span as a society in this Twitter society, in this instantaneous world mm-hmm. we've been in? 
we don't have the the attention span for a 45 minute match anymore do you think that's not the case i think it depends on who they are and how many guys can do it right you know what i mean i'll tell you what what you can't do anyway and there's not one in this whole match people are not going to buy rest holds in, in live tv with other stuff going on you cannot sit in a headlock you cannot sit in an arm bar you know what I mean? You've got to keep moving. So this right here is where, where we're going home. And this got screwed up. See? Yeah, let's uh, let's track a little bit of this audio here, Steve. The eyes are screaming. Yeah, I'm, I'm clearly in there 20 seconds too long. Doesn't look that bad there. It, can remember I said that Dave there too. Jack is driving. God damn it. I'm the, I'm the best wrestler in the world today, man. Get your clock right. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Do I stay in it too long? Yeah, I mean, I can see how you would want to be in there a little less time. Yeah. The pet house pet is making up my mind right now. Me or Sting. Feel the audio here, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in theory, what you were saying about being in there too long would be maybe he puts it on at 10. And then you yeah. hang on for like the last eight or nine seconds, yeah. not 20. Well, that's why I just kept laying there. I had to sell it to you. I had uh, the, the great pleasure of having uh, dinner not too long ago with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He was here in uh, Huntsville for yeah. Comic-Con. And uh, we got to uh, get together and, and enjoy a dinner down at Roost Chris, which you and I have frequented many times here in town. And he's telling me this great story uh, about you and him where you were supposed to not do an hour you were supposed to do 20 minutes according to mr scott and yeah. you guys decided to go long instead and you had worked out the finish and he kept saying now and you go not yet not yet not yet several times and then finally with just a couple of seconds left you say okay now and literally right as we're as time is expiring that's when the finish happened and the crowd just went bananas but he was really complimenting your ability to know where that clock was and that you were just seconds away from it being a time limit draw, but instead you stole the victory. And of course you cheated because that's what you damn dirty cheaters did. Uh, but that last minute, right as time expires, that was like a staple of yours, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just all you could do is just, you know, it's, it's like actually to me, he clearly won the match. I don't know how I got the vote, but <laughs> and he, look, look how good he is here to see that experience. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's incredulous, the idea that he hasn't won. But, of course, Patty Mullen, she's clapping because she's uh, maybe thinking about Space Mountain. I don't know. <laughs> well, there it is. You're leaving with the big gold belt. I love just these old school graphics, the way it looks and feels. And, man, this was fun. And we see three of the best that ever did it, sort of recapping the night for us. Tony Schiavone on the left, Jim Ross in the middle, Bob Cottle on the right. That's about as good as it gets right there, is it not, Rick? Down memory lane for sure. You know, Bob was there all those years at uh, WKPLR in uh, in, uh, in uh, Raleigh, and then of course Jim I met in Oklahoma years before that, and Tony. 
which I have to remind him periodically, was calling balls and strikes at the, at the single A ballpark for the Charlotte O's. So once again, Shabani, you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's any debate about that. And I don't think there's any debate that we all need life insurance. Of course, I'm talking about GoliathLife.com. You know, Rick, these days uh, we all have auto insurance, but we might not get in a wreck. We all have health insurance, but we might not need it. Uh, but we're all going to need life insurance. Uh, yeah. It's not about you. It's about your family. It's about peace of mind. It's about taking care of them. What's great about GoliathLife.com, Rick, is they give you 20 quotes from 20 different carriers. You pick the terms. You pick the payments. It's insurance in your hands on your time. Uh, they make it so easy, Rick. You don't have to do a phone call. And if they have to do a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You don't have to do anything. But you pick the payment. But if you don't have life insurance, you haven't done enough planning for your family. Get a quote that, right that now. Guys on the truth. That the, the one thing I've always done right in life, I've always carried a lot of the life insurance. Goliathlife.com can make it happen for you guys. So check it out and be sure to check out next week, Rick, because this was fun. But man, I want to see one of your other favorite opponents of all time. I want to talk about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. We just there showed we defending the title against Sting. Next week, we're going to see you drop the title and help make Ricky the Dragon Steamboat world champion for the very first time in Chicago. That's going to be a lot of fun, is it not? Oh, man. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this, Conrad. I have to, man. I hope you guys have had fun. If you have a question about that match in Chicago, or maybe you want to talk about whatever else is going on in Rick's life, the way to interact with the show is to jump on Twitter at to be the man pod. And of course, you've, uh, if you'd like to advertise here on the program, well, we'd love to have your business. It's conrad.com. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next week. In the meantime, pick up that swag, baby at rickflareshop.com. Anything else we need to plug? What are you doing this weekend? Nate, anything fun? I, guess what? I'm hanging out with Conrad Thompson and my beautiful daughter, Megan in Tampa. I got to get on that boat, dude. How many we horses? Will be, hey, we will be on the woo. We will be at Hula Bay. We'll be at the Battery. We'll be at the Marriott. We're going to ride ride it hard and turn everybody up wet, man. Let's go. <laughs> I can't. Weekend. The Nation Conrad back together again. Look Lock up your Miller lights. Here we come. We'll see you yeah. next week right here on To Be The Man. Woo! If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Savewithconrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com.